Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Lowercase C church, but you and the uppercase C church. Because you see, I've been going to this church for seven years, but next Sunday I would have been going to the church, the capital C church, for 37 years. Exactly to the date, because because next year, next week is my birthday on Sunday, which is crazy. Because it's like birthday, my birthday, baptism Sunday, a whole bunch of birthdays. Birthday, birthday, birthday uh, for a lot of people. And so for 37 years, and I'm pretty sure I was born in church. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in this thing in every sense of the word, grew up. Y'all think you have it bad if you serve one, sit one? <laughs> I grew up in a church where we went to church two to three times a week. And we would have to drive there from Staten Island to Brooklyn. There's a bridge, y'all, a bridge that takes, we had to take a bridge to church. So don't let me hear it, Kissimmee, okay? Winter Garden, y'all don't take a bridge bridge to go to church. And we went two or three times um, a week. It was, it was awesome. I, I, I learned how to crawl underneath the pews. <laughs> you know, pretty sure I learned how to swim in the baptism pool. Like it's my whole life has been in church. Some of my best, very best memories, the most beautiful memories have been in the church. But I also must admit that some of my most painful memories have also been in the church. Um, I've had my best friends, uh, in the church, people who I still talk to today from 30 years ago in Brooklyn. Still we talk today, but I also have some other people who said they would be there for 30 years and they're not. Um, I have people uh, in my life who, who recognize my gifts and talents. I discovered those gifts and talents in the church. First public speaking was to the children's ministry in church and I presented the gospel and like the whole kids class got saved. Pretty sure it's because I offered them free lollipops <laughs> if they raised their hands and so. <laughs> Just bribe people to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus used bread, we used blow pops, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we just got him in and... But I also had my gifts disregarded and discarded and overlooked in the church. I've had my heart broken by girls in the church. Church girls are ruthless. You would hold your breath every time they came back from a youth camp. Be like, God told me, no, no, don't tell me what God told you, please. <laughs> God really wants to have it out for me because he's been telling a lot of girls lately. <laughs> but at the same time, I found my wife in the church. Let's go past the lid. <laughs> oh, if you did nothing else, church, thank you for Liz. Yes, Lord. I've had people bash my family in the church, talk about my kids, talk about my wife, talk about my mom, talk about my dad. But at the same time, I remember when my firstborn came and we didn't have money for diapers or cribs or strollers, and it was the church that put on a surprise baby shower for me and my wife and covered all of those expenses. And when my thirdborn was born and we had to disconnect him from his breathing machine seven hours after being born, the hospital room was full of people from my church who cried with me and prayed with me and weeped with me and did life with me, not just in that moment, but the weeks 
after. Why do I tell you that? Because the church is beautiful, but the church is complicated. It's a good thing, it's a beautiful thing, but there's also a painful part that happens when you decide to be a part of a community. And the reason why I highlight that is not to expose the church, but rather to speak the truth about the church, because I do think that the news we hear about today is not the truth because we only hear one side of it. Today we don't hear any of the good things that happen in church. We only hear about the bad things that happen in church, it seems like. We hear about the celebrity pastor who cheated on their wife and that's terrible and we don't condone that and that's horrible and all the consequences that happened probably should have happened and all of those things. But we only hear about that. We don't also hear about, because I think we should hear about how he clothed fed the hundreds of drunk homeless people that ended up at the front door of his church every Sunday morning for 10 years and how he led thousands of people to Jesus. We don't talk about that. We, we'll, we'll, stream, we'll, we'll stream the documentaries of the international church whose organization is being sued by its staff members and its former church members because they've been operating more like a cult than a culture. But what we don't hear about are the 20 orphanages that they started in Sudan or the thousands of refugees that they helped escape Libya to find life. We don't hear about that part. We open up our social media feeds and we see people carrying crosses and in the name of Jesus storming the Capitol and burning down buildings and none of that is okay. And all of that is wrong. But why did we also stop talking about the church that marched in the civil rights movement of the 1960s or with the hippies in the 70s or the Christians who marched today to rescue women from sex trafficking and end modern day slavery? I'm just saying, we should talk about it all. Church is complicated, but, but I think there is, this is here, I believe, at least to me, it seems really clear that the enemy of our soul has an agenda and it's not to expose church, hear me, it's to distort church so that it can discredit the church, so that it can disable the church, so that ultimately it can create distance between you and the church. And I think to some point it's kind of working. I think there are three groups of people here today and you might find yourself in one of those groups or know somebody who's a part of those groups. I think because of all the news that we hear about the church, which again is not perfect and I'm not making excuses for any of that, but I think we need to hear the whole story, know that there's good too. I think because of that, we have people outside the church who believe the church is evil. People outside the church who actually believe the church is evil. And with all the scandals, accusations, misappropriations of funds, not to mention the politicization of the pulpit, which we will get a lot more of coming in 2024, it's easy to understand why they would think that. We got people inside the church. Listen, you don't think the church is evil, but you do think the church is optional. And uh, that... I looked at some of the statistics, it's crazy, yo. The average family, according to, Amer I don't know if this is a dirty church average, we're about to start taking attendance up in here, but the average, <laughs> the average church attendance nationwide, are you ready, is four to six times, once every four to six weeks. Let me make it simpler, because y'all doing math in your head. <laughs> Eight times a year. What? That blows my mind. That means you're bringing your kid, that means your kid is hearing Bible doctrine and like values that they're gonna use for life eight times a year while their schools, pop culture and television is discipling them seven times a week. That means you're giving the God eight times a year to change you and giving the world seven days a week to embitter you. And I get it, 
Why do we need church? I mean, it's cool if I got it, but I can probably be a good Christian without it. I don't need it. As far as nonprofit work, we got plenty of nonprofits that aren't religious that I can get involved in that. And the sermon is good, but why do I have to sit in a 40-minute sermon if I can get a, a 60-second Instagram clip? Or a 10-second TikTok clip? I can get it that way, then why? So I get it. I get why we would feel that way. And then finally, I think we have people who used to go to church or maybe even still do go to church who have become skeptical. And I think if you're skeptical, it's probably because of one of two things. Maybe what the church didn't do for you, how the church didn't help your marriage, how the church didn't help your financial situation, how the church couldn't break you out of that addiction or that cycle that you were trapped into. Or maybe worse, that's not what the church didn't do to you, it's what the church did do to you. And that's why you become skeptical. The people who abused you spiritually, the people who lied to you, the people who kicked you out, didn't give you an opportunity to get back in. And and I get that. I, I get that. I, can I be honest? And I don't know if this is embarrassing or not as a pastor to say, but sometimes I wonder if it's all worth it too. I put a lot of work in to preach these messages, for example. For what? I don't even remember. Like, what did I preach last week? Trick question. I didn't even preach last week. You see? But some of y'all are like, yeah, what did he preach? I wasn't even here. <laughs> Is it worth all the blowback? Is it worth the criticism? Is it worth all the world? I mean, luckily though, when I doubt, when I fear, when I wonder, luckily I don't follow church, I follow Christ. And so, this is a rule of thumb, ready? Whenever you're not sure where your heart leans, find out what wall Christ's heart leans on and go lean on that wall. Think like Christ thinks, love how Christ loves. Live like Christ lived. So I went to the Bible and I found, what does Christ think about the church? Because I just want to do what Christ does with the church. And Ephesians 5.25 tells us real plain and simple, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ said with me, love the church. Hear me, Christ loves the church. And someone right there is thinking, well, you know, that's because he didn't know what it was going to become. I wonder if he would have given up his life if he would have seen all the crazy things churches be doing today. I wonder if he would have died on that cross if he would have seen all the the ways that they misused the name of Jesus and the way they misused the, the cross and the way they misused the church. Would he? Let me answer that question unquestionably and undoubtedly. Yes. How do I know that? Because he did see it. He saw it and he chose to carry his cross anyway, ready? Just like he saw every mistake you would make. And chose to carry the cross anyway, in spite of it. He did it not just because, he didn't just do it and you sinned. He didn't just do it and the church made mistakes. He did it because he knew the church was gonna make mistakes. Because he knew you and I would make mistakes. One of my favorite preachers of all time is a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Don't look him up, he died in the 1800s. (laughs) Famous preacher. And uh, he says this about the church. He said, the church is not perfect, but woe to the man who finds pleasure in pointing out her imperfections. I have no doubt that the Lord can see more fault in his church than I can. You ever wonder about that? Talk about all the stuff that's wrong with church. I bet Jesus sees more that's wrong with it than you do. Yet, I have equal confidence that he sees no fault at all because he covers her faults with his own love, that love which covers a multitude of sins, that precious blood which washes away all the transgressions of his people. Christ loved the church and let us do the same. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what pops up on my social media feed. I'm not ignoring the pain that the church has inflicted in my life and I'm not pretending like I don't have doubts whether or not I should still be doing this sometimes and still be all of that 
aside, hear me, if Jesus still loves the church, that's all I need to know. Because if he still loves it, here's the title of my message is going to help somebody today, then I still love the church. I still love the church. This is usually the part of the sermon where I would tell you to tap your neighbor and tell them the title of my message, tell your neighbor I still love the church, but I wouldn't want you to lie. Because for some people, the answer is a little more complicated than that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you why I love the church. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, what he's going to do at the end of the day, is he's going to place a conviction in your heart for more than just coming to church, but coming back to Christ. That's what I believe. Here's why I still love the church. Number one, I still love the church because the church is still the hope of the world. Still the hope of the world. Put it on the screen. I still love the church because the church is still the hope of the world. The church was Jesus' idea, y'all. He was the person who said the word church first in the Bible. He created this. If you were to open your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18, you would see Jesus. The first time the word church is ever mentioned in the Bible comes from Jesus' mouth. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I love that. I will build my, Jesus says, I'll build it. Which is interesting because Jesus never wrote any books. Jesus never painted any paintings, never chiseled any sculptures. Matter of fact, even though he was a great savior, he must have been a poor carpenter because there ain't nothing that he built that's still around today. <laughs> Could you imagine that if there were? You invite friends over to the house for dinner, they're like, oh, I like this table. Where'd you get it from? Rooms to go, West Elm, Canes, <laughs> Nazareth. It's Jesus. <laughs> he didn't. Nothing that was ever built that he did build last. There's only one thing he built that still lasts. 2,000 years after he initiated it. And that thing that he built, the church. Which should really blow your mind because nothing ever lasts. Especially in this world, nothing ever lasts. Fads don't last. Fashion doesn't last. If you want proof of that, just look at this photo. <laughs> Fashion doesn't last. You need to know that all these photos have been given with the permission and express consent of the individuals implicated. This is Pastor Liz over here in the corner. Look at Pastor Liz. She got the dark lip liner. She got the non-existent eyebrows. She got the hoop earrings with her name on it. She got the rhinestone tank top. She ain't Puerto Rican. She put a Rickon in this picture right here. I put a Rickon right there. This guy in the middle, you might not recognize him. This is my father, Freddie, who is our facilities director here at the church. That's an afro, y'all. He was cool, he looked cool. he's still cool, but he was cool. He was in the game back there. And this guy over here, he was never in style. This guy over here, I don't even know when that was cool, probably never, <laughs> it was never cool. All right, fashion don't last. Companies with millions of dollars, companies don't last. Go ahead, show them. Companies don't last. Come on now. If you ever watch any movie that took place in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you always saw the Pan Am airplane, right? Still going, no you ain't. Not any longer. Remember this, y'all? 
I don't want to grow up. Well, maybe you should have. Now you're bankrupt. Maybe, maybe you should have learned how to keep a, a spread book or something like that, you know? How about this, y'all? Pay less shoe source. Come on. Every school year before school started, my mom and dad would take me to pay less. Buy one, get one. They always pay less shoe source. Todo debe salir. Store closing. Yeah, it is. All of them. Listen, it's not just companies. It's not just fashion. Empires that ruled the world are no longer. Philosophies are no longer. Interestingly enough, religions that were started that were no longer. Yet, for the last 2,000 years, people of every nation, of every tribe, of every tongue, of every skin color, of every age have been gathering in homes and temples and cathedrals and churches, lifting up and talking about the name of Jesus for 2,000 years. They've been taking communion for 2,000 years. They've been laying their hands on the sick for 2,000 years. They've been reading from this Bible. And you know why it's still going? Because Jesus built it. Because he built it. And what Jesus built lasts. Jesus is not concerned with keeping the stars in orbit. They're good. He's not concerned with locking down the law of gravity. It's good. You know what he's concerned about? You know what he's focused about? You know what he's been doing for the last 2,000 years? Building his church. And you know why? Because the gates of hell will not overcome it. Will not overcome it. There's a mentor of mine who's a pastor who was in an airport. He tells this story in a book that he wrote, and he saw these two young kids arguing and fighting, and it was probably over a video game or something that he could tell, and all of a sudden, the older child made a fist and knocked out the younger child. The younger child hits the floor of the airport. Blood begins to come out the back of his head. If that weren't bad enough, the older child mounts the younger child with his closed fist, begins to beat the younger child in the face over and over. This man, there's no parents to be found. My mentor runs over, he pulls the older child off of the younger child. The older child then looks to the mentor who's a pastor and he begins punching the pastor. Just full of anger, full of violence, full of hatred. While he's doing that, the stewardess comes and says, hey, your flight's about to leave, you gotta get on the plane. He's like, I'm a little busy at the moment. She says, no, sir, this plane has got to go, and we've got to take you with it. We'll take care of this situation. He gets on that plane. He wanted to open up a fishing magazine. He wanted to put on a show or a movie. Just, just forget about what he saw, but he felt the Holy Spirit quicken his heart, and he said, he felt that God told him this. He said, what will happen with that boy? Where will that boy end up? And he began to pray, and he told the Lord, he goes, well, today he's being violent with his fist. He'll probably then become violent with a knife. After that, he'll probably become violent with a gun then he'll end up in jail, and then he'll end up in hell. And then he felt the Holy Spirit speak to him. He said, is there anything that can change where this kid ends up? And he started to think about it. He said, will government pass the law that will change that little boy's heart? Probably not. Will there be a company that makes this amazing product that if you buy this product, it will change your heart? Probably not. Will there be a college or a university that, that will create this awesome, uh, awesome class, awesome degree that can change your heart, that little boy's heart? Probably not. And he started to think, I know what will change that little boy's heart. The only thing that could change that little boy's heart, a fire 
up Christ follower who invites that little boy to church. And he comes to church and he hears the story about a guy named Jesus who died on the cross for all of his anger and all of his pain and all of the things in his life that that boy's father could not be in his life. And Jesus, through the church, can change that young boy's heart. The church, my friend, is the, is the hope of the world. Because it doesn't just work on the outside, it works in the heart. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's powerful, binding and loosing keys. This is, keys are, listen, if the church is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, it's not because it's lost, it's power or it's ability. I'll show, I'll prove it to you. See this key right here? This is my car key. This is a powerful key. This key can start my car. I can go all over the country with this key right here. If I put this in my car, it's powerful. Vroom, vroom, powerful. See this key right here? This key is powerful. This key is the key that unlocks the side door over. I use this key to get into the building today. If I gave this key to the wrong person, we could steal all this equipment. We could burn stuff down. It's bad. This is a powerful key. I got to make sure I protect this key. This key is powerful. It has ability. This key, ooh, this key has power. This key has ability. Let me tell you about this key real quick. I have no idea what this key does. <laughs> How many people have keys on their key rings like that? Look at all the hands, look at all the hands. I have no idea what this key does. For all I know, this key could unlock the front of the church. Maybe this key unlocks some safe I forgot I had in my house that is holding thousands of dollars I wish I had right now. That I don't, I'm not sure what this key does, Ready? but this key has not lost its power or its ability, it has not lost its ability to do what it's created to do, it's only not doing what it was created to do because I forgot what it was there to do. Because I've been hanging on to it for too long, I forgot. It's been hanging on my key ring for so long. I wonder if there's people who've been hanging around church for so long we forgot what it was actually supposed to actually supposed to. And you know what's crazy? I keep it around even though I don't know what it does. Because it makes me feel safe. It makes you feel comfortable. Like if one day it's going to hit me, oh, that's what it's for. I wonder if some of us stick around church because it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel comfortable. But not, not remembering that you are actually here not just to feel safe, not to feel comfortable, but to actually lock and unlock and do some things in the world with the power and the authority that God has given us. We're supposed to be a force in the world, church. Don't forget it. You and I got the keys. You and I got the keys, y'all. Listen, don't ever forget that the key to unlocking equality and locking up bigotry and racism is the church. Don't forget, his name was Reverend Martin Luther King. It was a sermon that he preached that day in the National Mall. It was a sermon, it was preaching, it was Jesus. It's the key. Listen, I believe that the church is the key to unlocking equality in the social classes and making education accessible so that people who were born poor can go middle class and people middle class can become prosperous. How do I know that? America's first universities, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, all started as religious institutions. Pastors who began churches to teach people trades and careers so they can get out of poverty and they didn't even charge tuition. Can you imagine going to Harvard for free today? You know why? Because they were more interested in making a difference than making money. 
This is the church. Listen, you want to end war? I believe the church is the key to ending war. Why? When, na- when national leaders come together and start actually living that value of love your enemy, don't kill your enemy. What's the key to unlocking, to locking up poverty and locking up homelessness and doing away with that for once? It's the church. It's us who are out there every first Saturday of the month. It's us who are visiting the people in the jail. It's us who, listen, the church who, you don't even know this, but in the last two weeks have given away thousands of dollars to help the earthquake victims in Morocco and the flood victims in Libya. You don't even know that money's going out, but that's your money that you're doing. You're being the church. You're changing the world. We got the keys, which is why you're present this year. To remind you, when you walk out, listen, you don't just got the keys to your car, you got the keys to change. You got the keys to hope, you got the keys to making a difference. Let me keep going, let me keep going. Number two, I still love the church because I still need the church. I don't know about you, but I need it. I can't, I can't be optional for me. I can't choose some Sundays to go and say, I need it in my life. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is crazy because church has only been going on for about 100 years when this is written, and people are already getting in the habit of not going. Like, it started off bad. <laughs> like, already, because you can be in the habit of going to church, but you can also get in the habit of not going to church. I people know what I'm talking about. And he's people, are, and he's, he's just reminding them. He's like, yo, I don't know if you forgot, but this is so that you can stay encouraged. This is so you can make it to the finish line when Jesus returns. Like, church is for you. <laughs> this is for you. Not for me, for you. Sometimes I need a reminder of my kids because my wife is a, a stay-at-home mom, and she chose to be. She got her bachelor's degree from the University of Florida. She started and, and sold two businesses. She's very, she could be very, she chose to stay home and raise our kids the way that she does. And so sometimes, and sometimes, oh, thank you, yeah, she's all easy. Sometimes, sometimes our kids forget that. And then they'll, they'll be doing their virtual homework with her, and, she, and they'll start accusing her things. Like, you're just doing this because you don't want me to go to real school because you want me around so I can do chores and help you. You're just doing this because it's easier for you. You're just doing this because you want, you're just doing this because that. And, and when I hear that, sometimes I just want to walk over and, sl- I mean, talk to them and just tell them and just, and just remind them. Yes. Amen. Yes. She got a degree. She done so business it. She don't have to be here. She's here for you. You know how easy it would be to put you in public school, her start some businesses, make more money, and go on vacations without you? (laughs) You know how easy that would be to live our life? We're doing it. We gave up things for you. Can I just help you out, church? Say yes. You don't go to church for God. You're not doing anything for him by showing up here. He don't need you to worship him. There's angels worshiping him. He don't need you to tell him he's God. He was God before you told him. He don't need you to make him feel big. He was big before you got here. I'm just trying to tell you, you don't go to church for God. You go to church for you. God don't need 
need your presence. You need his presence. God doesn't need your worship. You need to worship. It's for you. For you. It's for you. I don't need to be here either. There's easier things to do to make money in this world. But God asked me to, and I love you. We're here for you. For you. When you remember that, and we gotta make that transition for us who grew up in church, because we're so used to going to church for mom. And going to church for dad. And going to church for this person or that person, or to meet this kind of social expectation. And unless you start realizing this is for you. For, us, for those of us who have kids, your kids are gonna have to make that transition. You gotta, this is for you. John 54, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, here you're seeing that, here you're reading that, and you go, oh, but that's that stay connected to Jesus. That doesn't say stay connected to the church. I'm glad we have the whole Bible to do context. Ephesians 5, 23, 25, Christ is the head of the church. It is his body. So if he says you can't produce fruit unless you're connected to me, and then he says, and I am the church, what he's saying is you can't produce fruit by yourself. You got to stay connected to the church. Can I show you? Because some of y'all haven't seen trees in a while. So I'm going to help you. Thank you so much. This is the tree. Let me break this down according to Jesus' metaphor in John 15. This is the fruit. This is what we all want. This is why I need you to engage in the preaching. I'm not going to make an application for every, you know, what, what's your fruit? What's the fruit that you're looking for in your life? Is it financial blessing? Is it a marriage? Is it something for your child? Is it something for your business? Is it a health thing? You got fruit here. This is you. You are the branch, okay? You are the branch who wants the fruit. This is the vine. This is Jesus. This is the church. Jesus said, you can't bear fruit, the thing you want, if this branch ain't connected to the vine. Are you with me? I needed to show you the illustration because when you see the illustration, then you understand how silly it is because some people be like, hey, I can't go to church today because I got to take care of some things. I, I can't tithe because I got some bills to pay. You're trying to bear fruit by watering the branch. You don't produce fruit by taking care of yourself. Go home and water your plants like this <laughs> for a week. Tell me what happens. What's crazy, even though it's counterintuitive, because the fruit is here and the vine is here, that if you want to produce fruit here, you actually have to pour in. So getting invested in church feels like an expense, but it's an investment yeah. in your fruit. Every time you get in a small group, man, I wonder how I give all these people my time. You know what I could be doing on a weeknight right now? Whatever, I'll spare them my wisdom. <laughs> you're watering in your small group, but you're producing community. You're producing encouragement. You're producing freedom. Because freedom comes in community. You're producing healing, even though it looks like you showing up to someone else's house. It's doing something for them. It's for you. You know what happens when you show up and you attend 
every Sunday here, every Sunday of the year in town, I take vacations too, but every Sunday of the year in town, you know what you're doing right now? The biblical principles that are being preached here are encouraging you. They're giving you tools that you can use when you go back home. Your kids are being discipled, learning about Jesus and values, good moral values. And by the way, nowadays, everybody goes into their own car or bus and goes and do their own thing. Sunday mornings are the only day where we all get in the same car and do the same thing. Your family is getting fruit, growing closer together. You know what happens when you serve? I know you see all the people with the serve shirts and all the time. It takes almost 600 people to make a Sunday happen. Listen, I know it looks like they're doing it for the, for, for, for the church and for Jesus, but ask them how it feels when they see someone get out of that baptism pool next Sunday, knowing that their service was a part of what made that possible. Purpose is the fruit. You know what happens when you tithe? That might look like money that's not going to the fruit that you need, but all of a sudden Malachi 3.10 starts to kick in. I will open up the floodgates of heaven and there will be so much fruit that you will not be able to hold it all. God is going to bless you and God is going to build trust in you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Listen, give church one engaged year of your life. Just one. By the way, here's how I define engaged, because you can come to church and get nothing. There's nothing special about the seat only the heart that occupies it. So I'm not asking for you to do something with your butt. I'm asking you to do something with your heart, <laughs> which requires your butt. Give church one again. Here's how I define engaged. I have an acronym, GAST, because I gassed up. I'm get gassed up. I'm a preacher. I use acronyms, GAST. G-A-S-T. This is how I define engaged. You're in a group, which for some people, that's a deal breaker right there because you don't like people. Get over it. <laughs> get in a group. It could be an online group. It could be a once a month group, whatever. We have them all. Attend. Whenever you're not on vacation, be here. Serve. Get on a team some way, shape, or form. We have teams for every kind of schedule from legacy team, which is, is, is a different type of team altogether. You're not showing up on a Sunday to do work, to kids team, to worship team, to greeters team. Serve so you can get that purpose. Here's the last one. Tithe. Gast. G-A-S-T. Group. Attend. Serve. Give the Lord the first 10% of your name. For one year, come back and talk to me and tell me you ain't got no fruit in your life. I promise you will. I promise you will. Here's my last point. You can take this for our QC team. Thank you. I still love the church because Jesus still loves me. Still loves me. Ephesians 5, chapter 23, verse 25. Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the savior, he gave up his life for her. I love this metaphor because it's giving us two. It's giving us that the church is the body, but it's also telling us that the church is the bride. So you have this romantic wedding vibe, marital vibe to, to this, which is important because some people say that they love Jesus but they don't love the church. Which to me, and from what I study in the Bible, not only is that wild, that's impossible. Because the church is the body of Christ. So how could you love Jesus, but not his body? That's like saying, that's like you married somebody, and then you, you say, and that person says, hey, I'm leaving. I'm out, I want a divorce. And then you ask, like, what? Do you not love me anymore? And they're like, no, I love you. You're just ugly. <laughs> Isn't that just like it? 
No, I love you. It's your body I got problems with. I love Jesus, but not the church, not his body. Uh, try that in real life. I I'm leaving. Why? I love you. You don't love me no I love you. What happened? You lost your hair. And when we got married, you had hair. So legally. <laughs> okay, I could be out. I'm leaving. You don't love me no more? No, I love you. Well, why are you leaving? You gained some weight. And so then you gain weight, so you know. Because your body. How? I'm sorry. Then you never loved me. Because if you love somebody, you love them for everything, even the imperfections. Even the imperfections. And the church is not perfect, but is any body perfect? Is any body perfect? The other day I was talking to Liz in the, in the bathroom, she was doing her pretty process. Yeah, a lot of people don't know, but Pastor Liz is five years older than me, five years my senior. Yeah, she robbed the crater. Got herself a young buck. So, so her grades are coming out a little earlier than mine. And she was doing her hair one day and she saw one long gray hair and she pulled it out and she knew the answer to this. Obviously, I know the answer, but she was joking. We were having a fun time. She pulled out her gray hair. She was like, are you still gonna love me with my gray hair? She knows the answer, we were just joking. But every time she asks me a question about that, her hair or her weight or whatever, I always respond the same way. Oh, I have for the last, since we've been married, with music soul child. Yeah, maybe I don't know. He's, he sings R&B back in the 90s and 2000s. So, so anytime she would tell me that, I always look at her and I would just sing her that, my favorite part of one of his most famous songs. I look at her going, I love you when your hair turn gray, yeah. And I still love you if you gain a little weight, yeah. The way I feel for you will always be the same, just as long as your love don't change. But listen to the end of that song. Just as long as your love don't change for me. Now here's my question. Not did the church hurt you. Not did a leader abuse their authority. Not did you have a painful memory. Here's my question. Did he ever stop loving you? Because if he still loved you, then I'm still love the church. Why? Not because he gave up his life for her. Put it at 525. But because he gave up his life for, for me. I gotta get a quick, Zion, will you help me out real quick? Zion's gonna help me do an illustration real quick. Come on, Zion. Zion is gonna represent Jesus, he's also going to represent the church, but he's really going to represent the body of Christ. Now, I need you to connect this metaphor. God showed it to me, and I'll never see it another way ever again. The church is the body. So when I say the church is, I want you to say the body. The church is? Body. The church is? Body. It's the body of Christ. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but 
I went through some painful things in the church. I shared some of them. There's some things I've never shared that I'll share today for the first time. I actually had a, a member of my family get sexually abused in a church by a person who was a leader in the church. Uh, it wasn't the church, but it was someone in the church, but that felt to me like the body of Christ. The body was the church. So the body hurt me. Go ahead. Body hurt me. I've been lied to my face by my own leaders and talked about behind my back, lied about behind my back by my own leaders. That, that hurt the body of Christ. That hurt me. The body hurt me. I've had pastors and mentors in my life who I've looked up to, who I followed, I would have gone to the ends of the world for, who experienced big moral failures on big stages that made me question everything I knew about God. And if this is even real, if I should even do ministry, if it's going to end up like that. And when they fell, it hurt me. Why stay? Why keep coming back if, if I got put through all that? I'll tell you why. Because I remember all the times I abused the love of God. I remember all the times I lied to God. I'll, this is the last time. I'll never do it again. I remember all of my failures, all of my moral mistakes, all of our mess ups, the ones that don't nobody know about but God. Here's my point. This is how God showed it to me. I hope it explodes in your heart like it exploded in mine. If you can't get past the hurt that the body of Christ gave you, then remember the hurt the body of Christ took for you. same body was the one that hung up on the cross as a symbol of the pain that he took on your end. Thank you, Zion. I would like this. I'm not leaving the church put on the screen because of what it did to me or didn't do for me. I stay because of what Jesus chose not to do to me. I just need to be real clear. This isn't about growing journey, church, lowercase c church. That was a good message. I bet everybody's coming back next week. Maybe, maybe somebody got offended. I don't care because I was never trying to grow this church. I, this isn't about your relationship with church. Church is about your relationship with Jesus. All I want for you, listen to me, so much so, I'll be in the lobby after this, that even if it's not this church, I'm friends with a lot of pastors in Orlando. I can point out to another great church that'll fit your style, your brand, your age group, whatever you want, I can point them out to you because I don't care if it's this church or another church. I don't want to see you seated here. I want to see you seated in heaven. Together, you and me, together. And you're not going to get there if you're not connected to the vine, if not in the communities, whether it's here or somewhere else. Now is the time. Sure, it's not perfect, but I need it. Jesus still loves me, and y'all, we got the keys, and it's the hope of the world. So, I still, with all that, I still love the church with all my life and all my heart. 
Would you stand on your feet, every eye closed, every head bowed. I wanna do two prayers. Here's my first prayer, nobody leaving, this is very important. Would you stay just a couple more minutes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today, listen, and you would say, my relationship with church needs to be renewed. On the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand as a symbol of sign. I know it's gonna take a lot of courage, but I need to get back connected to the body. I need to get back connected to the community, and I'm ready to take that step here today. I wanna just raise my hand and let God know I'm ready. I wanna get plugged in all over this room on three. One, two, three, right now. Nobody looking, every eye closed, every head bowed. So many hands. Thank you for that courage. That's not easy to say. I'm ready. I need to get plugged in. Hey, this is a great church to get plugged into. If you, if you wanna find another church, I can help you find another, but get plugged into a community. You need it. You need it. Let me pray for you. You can put your hand now. Father, I thank you for every hand that's raised. I pray you'd bring people in their life right now. I pray you give them courage and faith and boldness to be able to take that step, to get into next steps. If you want to get connected, next steps is that step happening right after this service. I want to connected in the next steps. And I want to get connected in a group, in a family. I'm ready to attend. I'm ready to tie. I believe I'm going to give you one year of my life, God. And watch what you do with me. Keep your head bowed and eyes closed. I want to pray for another group of people in this room today. If you are far from God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never been to church or it's been 20 years, 10 years since you've ever been to church, this is your chance to come back home, not to church, but what we've been talking about this whole time, to Jesus. I told you, he took his, he took the whips, he took the nails, he took the crown for you and for me, and today is your opportunity to come home to him. If you're in this room today, if you're at East Campus, if you're online and you're ready to come home to Jesus, and when I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand high. I'm ready to get saved. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to fall back in love with the one who loved me first. All over this room on three. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand all over this room? Wow, come on. So many hands raised to the glory of God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Go ahead, put your hands down. Whether you raise your hand or not, I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud with me. Father God, I hear you calling, and I'm coming. I'm ready to get plugged in to your love. Thank you for taking my place. I give you my past. I give you my future. And today, I give you me. Jesus, I believe when it's hard to believe. Jesus, I love you even when it's hard to love. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus, name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.